When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Welcome along. It is another edition of the England against India Test Match Dailies on the Cricket Badger Podcast. Good to have you with us watching, or if you're listening later, good to have you with us there as well. And as always, I am James Butler, the Cricket Badger, joined by my fan badgers. And today we have Neil Varani, but Raj and Knuckle as well. And uh, let's start, gentlemen, with two days away from the fourth Test Match at the Oval. And I've had a couple of um, questions coming in. John Wright has basically said, I'm not sure what weather forecast... John Wright has been looking at, but he says weather forecast for the Oval does not look too flash, especially for days four and five. With the series in the balance and the final test being in Manchester, which is kind of synonymous with rain, isn't it, Manchester? What do we think about a reserve day for test matches from here on? I've looked at the weather forecast for the Oval and it actually looks all right to me. It's like we get, uh, I think, 10% chance of rain, which I think most weather forecasters would put in just to cover themselves anyway. Having a six-day, I mean, obviously this comes, stems from the World Test Championship final that India played against New Zealand where the reserve day was required. Are you a fan or not? The sixth day was absolutely necessary for the World Test Championship final and completely makes sense for a standalone game, for a final. The, the scheduling just doesn't allow for a, for a reserve day most of the time. You know, these three test matches heading the, the Oval and Old Trafford are back to back to back. Mm. Lords and Trent Bridge were back to back. This is not an uncommon occurrence. And this tour doesn't even have any limited overs internationals. Most of the time, frankly, it just wouldn't be, it wouldn't be necessary. I suppose, you know, it's a reserve day. So you understand, you assume it wouldn't be, but it's, it's very rare that, uh, that a test match that has even even four full days of, of cricket ends in a in a draw that wouldn't have been um, 
that you know because time ran out because of, because the weather it, it, it's quite rare that two days of cricket are rained out that what happened in the world test championship final doesn't happen very often uh, the forecast from i've seen it looks you know there might be some showers on and off on sunday but the rest of the days look fine uh, and i think you know either you have a reserve day for everything or you can't just add one because the weather uh might be a little bit uh might be a little bit dodgy i mean that's you know how how long do you want to go with that if you if you don't get a result on the reserve day do you keep going with that and then you know everyone knows the 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 criteria under which this uh under which this series is being is being played i just don't think it's it's uh, logistically feasible the thing is as well knuckle test match grounds in england certainly they put two weeks through the calendar to prepare the ground for the test match and then to play the test match if you then extend that two weeks post the test match or post the normal test match it then actually has impact on the domestic schedule as well because that ground is not available to play for the county sooner than it would have been as well so it has knock-on effects doesn't it yeah i mean you wouldn't be adding two weeks on the end but you'd be adding you know a day on the end which which could could throw things off a little bit i mean it's a very congested domestic schedule though isn't it so you know it would have repercussions there's a lot of cricket to fit in um internationally and domestically the other thing about the grounds the grounds drain so well i mean this is part of the reason that unless it literally rains for two days you're not going to lose enough cricket usually to justify having a, a a reserve day what happened in the world test championship final was a freak occurrence that doesn't happen very often in england mm-hmm. or anywhere really uh, english test grounds i know headingley's had its issues but every other test ground in england drains brilliantly uh, to the point where if it's been raining for half a day within an hour or an hour and a half at most you could be playing again and you get your cricket in you can extend it later because even as we're coming into late august early september the light is good enough that you can still play till half six it seems kind of a what's the phrase asking for an asking for a solution to a problem that doesn't really exist and also, Neil, draws are a part of cricket, aren't they? Draws are a part of Test Match cricket. If you're playing a series, a draw is a factor. Yeah, and especially when we get to the back end of the game, then it is a, um, a legitimate target as well. We saw England in the last two tests they've played at Lords have, um, have gone for draws once successfully and once not. That You can't take away the opportunity to park the bus without fundamentally changing the game. Oh, imagine um, if Jose Mourinho was a cricket manager. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get, get well ahead in the first two days and then just defend it. Uh, like, play life. 11 Dom Sibleys. Uh, yeah, right. uh, Jose Mourinho would love the Runji trophy where in the knockouts you get you win if you get a first innings lead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Ryan? Think- where do you stand on having a reserve day? Is it something you see as being essential or are we good as we are? I think we are good as we are, and I agree with what Nakul mentioned. I think logistically, it's not feasible. At the same time, you know, if you talk about the World Test Championship finals, then, you know, it makes sense to have a reserve day on the finals, but you cannot have, say, an extra reserve day for all the test matches. You know, we are talking about shortening the test matches to four-day test matches, uh, but here, 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 uh, you know, we cannot add an extra day because fans are getting impatient, and five days of test match cricket, I think, is enough to produce a result. Neil, I mean... That is one of the kind of strange things about this, isn't it? That the World Test Championship comes along, we need a reserve day, so all of a sudden everybody wants to tag an extra day on. Whereas sometimes the same people a year ago were arguing for four-day test matches. Yeah, people seem to change their published opinions depending on what the uh, the actual situation is, uh, is currently with no consistency or long-term thinking. Um, I think Knuckle made a, a very good point before that the domestic calendar, especially in England, is just too tight 
to even give that uh, that opportunity. We saw with the women's test that that got played on a used track. You know, maybe there was uh, a bit of oversight there, but there's so much cricket that you can't always block out that um, that additional time just in case. The other thing is that it costs money to put on a day of cricket. Uh, the salaries for all the staff who are there, the contracts for catering and so on, we already know that outside the big three, teams lose money hosting test cricket. To add another day where you don't have uh, that guaranteed income to offset the uh, uh, the sunk costs that you have in staging that um, would really, really make test cricket unfeasible in those countries. And you can't have separate conditions within a tournament like the World Test Championship across mm-hmm. countries. It's a bit different when you have the World Test Championship final. I mean, I was at Edgebaston in 2013 for uh, the Champions Trophy final where they changed the um, uh, the conditions basically on the hoof because they hadn't put in a reserve day and ended up extending the latest time that you could start play and reduced it to a T20. That's completely separate to adding in that additional day across the board, logistically and financially. I think it's just a complete non-starter where people are trying to change the entire outlook for a single occurrence, whereas you have to make policies based on trying to benefit 90% of the uh, situations that arise and not just looking after the uh, the one unicorn that may appear. You, you can't please everybody all the time, can you? I mean, that's uh, an adage that goes through life. Cricket's a game played with balls. You've got to look after them in the field. Badges are furry creatures. My friends at manscaped.com help you make sure it's neat and tidy down there. Oh, get rid of all that excess fur. Make sure that you're neat and tidy. Make sure everything's in the right order. Oh, I'm feeling all good now, Danimus set. Oh, manscaped.com. Maximum skin-safe performance. Compact design. Advanced engineering. Ceramic blade. Waterproof. And it doesn't end there. Show you care by caring for your pair. Cleansers. Revivers. Preservers. Simply go to manscaped.com. Quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com. Get on there now. Big time dwarfer. I'm sure that's not his real name. Has been in touch on the uh, comments. You can too. Have a comment on and we can discuss whatever you want to bring up today. Um, He says the turnaround times are already short. Um, Using reserve days would surely lead to more injuries. I mean, Raj, that's an issue, isn't it? I mean, we talk about recovery time between test matches, particularly when they're back to back. And we purr at the fact there's a week off sometimes between test matches because it allows bowlers time to recover. It's not just bowlers either. Batsmen need a breather every now and again too. But having extra days potentially on the end of a test match makes that even worse, isn't it? That's going to cause a problem and especially during times of COVID, you know, we would think that, you know, a break is more essential than the usual times. And especially, you know, after tests like Headingley, you know, you see that uh, uh, Indian bowlers were, you know, bowled a lot of overs. They were out there in the park for a lot of time. So definitely fast bowlers need that extra bit of rejuvenation where they would need that extra break. Adding an extra day, uh, the time between the two test matches just reduces and it's just not good for, uh, you know, teams out there because we all want competitive cricket at the end of the day. And when you're 
players are injured you know you uh, give fans that maybe a little bit of disappointment you do not want your best players to miss out on injuries so in that sense also like you said james adding an extra day is just not too good overall and we have to look at the larger picture let's move on because um, we've got uh, a few questions to go through today um gabagulli which i'm sure is not his real name either on twitter um he's asked um well he's commented while ashwin's treatment by india is intriguing do england have any strategy for their spinners Leach has been has had a wasted year. You could argue Leach has had two wasted years, to be to be honest, because he was in the bubble all last summer, wasn't he, without playing? Parkinson has been apparently dumped. Mo has been yo-yoed. Bessie's out in the cold. Um, someone turning it away from the right-handers could be useful in the next seven Test matches. Knuckle. I don't think it's fair to say that Parkinson's been dumped. I mean, he's played actually more limited overs cricket this year than he has previously and hasn't yet made a test debut. I was thinking that he might play these last two test matches. I actually didn't foresee Moen Oe coming back into the back into the test uh, um into the test lineup and he's done well enough that that probably won't happen. Now, I mean, one of the individual cases, yeah, I think Jack Leach would think himself hard done by Maureen Ali would think himself hard, hard done by as well particularly with how he was treated in in India and how he was briefly albeit um, less, so, but even so hung out to dry uh, at the end of the second test match with um, with the you know people were allowed to think that it was his decision to to go home and whatnot possibly cost Ed Smith's Ed Smith going um trying to sort of strong arm Moen to stay in cost of his job. It was really badly, ha- really badly handled all of that, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was, <laughs> arguably it was their only real significant misstep in terms of um, in terms of the rotation and the, uh, the rotation policy and the misstep was not following it, <laughs> basically. Uh, I mean, that, that's a sort of separate issue. Just, just briefly on Ashwin before I come to England's, you know, the wider context of how England treat spinners. I don't know, Ashwin's treatment, you know, we understand that he was in line to play up until the morning of the Lord's Test match. He was very close to playing the Headingley Test match. He's been, you know, doing his usual stuff in public and his YouTube channel and whatnot, and he seems in, in good spirits as far as we can tell. And, you know, the decision seemed to have been communicated fairly clearly within the team, and that's all you can all you can ask for. And the team, you know, the, the series has gone okay for, for from India's India's point of view, and the bowlers have done have done well. So you you, you know, there was a followable logic and to a point it's worked. I Joe Root's captaincy of spinners and the general treatment of spinners in England is slightly confusing um, in, in general. I mean, wasn't quite sure about whether he trusted either Rashid or not. Uh, when he was in the when he was in the test squad, Don Bess being public very publicly criticised after taking wickets expensively, but still taking it, wickets it, in that first test match. It, it, pre- uh, it predates Joe Root as well, because Alistair Cook wasn't particularly fantastic at managing his spinners either, was he? I mean, there's obviously the Simon Kerry incident, but that wasn't a one-off. No, I mean, it's Alistair Cook, I think, was. <sighs> It's sort of he didn't quite know what to do once Graham once he didn't have Graham Swan who could be two bowlers in one. I mean, you know, a lot of captains would would struggle with with the with a sudden and unexpected loss of a bowler of that of that quality. And you know, there's, there is a, a slight skepticism about spin in England in general. I mean, you an example would be every time a county pitch turns on day one, people are up in arms. Hmm. No one's bothered when the ball when. The seam bowlers are, uh, uh, are taking wickets in a certain, you know, you have 15 wickets in a day with not a ball bowled above 75 miles an hour. Not to discount the skill of those bowlers, but arguably that's not great for the development of, of high quality test cricketers either and is undoubtedly skewed towards one skill set. You know, seam is viewed very much as the default in 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 this country, and uh, you know, understandable because of conditions. But but yeah, there, there is a, there is a skepticism, and it goes right down to the to the club level and the and the school level. Um, you know, you have to really be. You can't just be a spinner anymore in 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 most teams. You have to be able to bat as, as well. So I think the the point about 
English spin skepticism is is well made. Although I'd be I'd be wary of reading too much into any sort of treatment of of Ashwin. Right, Raj, if you're Ashwin, those last words of Knuckles, really. Uh, you, you come for a five test series. You're the number two bowler in the world. Most people will suggest you're certainly right up there in terms of uh, the best spinner in the world. Is he going to be happy if he goes through an entire series without playing? There does seem to be quite a good camaraderie between the Indians. They do seem to understand the bigger picture these days and the team is more important than the individual. But I can't imagine Ashwin's going to be happy if he sits through the next two without playing. Definitely not happy because Ashwin also, you know, embodies the spirit, you know, which Anil Kumble had. He's a, he's a fighter from inside and, you know, he would be gutting to get on the field and perform for his team. So in that sense, he would definitely not be happy. But considering the larger scheme of things, which not mentioned I think uh, the spirit is still there and Ashwin being a total team player you know he would not be totally disappointed and he would want to help the team's cause but as a fan um, James I would admit that you know I, I was totally baffled by Ashwin's exclusion in the Headingley test especially uh, because before the series if you could ask me in the first test uh, India went ahead with Jadeja and Shardul and preferred Ashwin to be on the sidelines that was still okay because that went well with the balance of the squad. The second test, even though, you know, the first four fast bowlers were relentless and amazing in the last session of Lords, I would still say that, you know, uh, the balance of the side took a big dent in the second test and they carried on the same side for the Headingley test as well, which totally surprising because, uh, you know, you would want Jadeja to be there in the team and because Jadeja's batting form has been remarkable, he's sort of that three-dimensional player, you know, who would give everything in the field as well and is a handy enough fifth bowler uh, for India. But uh, considering the tail that we have, uh, which is a huge, which is a long tail, uh, perhaps, and definitely Ashwin's exclusion baffles me. At the same time, you know, Joe Root coming on with three tons in a row, you know, you would expect someone like Ashwin to break that rhythm. You know, he did successfully break uh, Smith's rhythm uh, down under when, you know, Smith was uh, going... Like he was in ominous touch. So Ashwin is that sort of a bowler, you know, who would have extra extra arsenal in his armory. And, you know, he would come around the wicket, get the ball to drift, get the ball to spin. And, you know, he's more than a handy batter as well. So I'm totally baffled by selection and I want him to play in the old test. Yeah, it astounds me how few people seem to understand the modern Headingley as a surface these days. Uh, yeah, with all the analytics and everything around, day one is a wicket-taking day. Days two, three, and probably most of day four is a batting day, and then it's, it turns towards the end. Uh, you know, the likes of Don Best don't go to Headingley by mistake. They go to Headingley because they know there's a bit of help for them there on the final day of matches. And nobody seems to actually over the last ten years, nobody seems to have actually got the head around that the Headingley plays different than it did do in the eighties and nineties. Neil, in terms of England, I mean, I try and put myself in the position of an English player who was out there in, in India in the winter, got scarred by Ashwin and Aksar, um, who bowled beautifully on surfaces that were helpful to them. No English batsman's going to be particularly keen to see our Ashwin on the team sheet, is he? No, absolutely not. I think I, uh, I disagree a little bit in that I understand why Ashwin hasn't made it in for each of the matches as much as I uh, don't agree with it, I thought he should have come in for, for Headingley. But he has done very, very well in India against England. Um, in England, he uh, did very well in the last tour at the start and got a hip injury and was very noticeably diminished um, after that. So I think in home conditions, I don't think the English batters fear him quite as much. 
Um, he has improved in how he bowls overseas. We saw that in Australia this year. But I don't think there is that level of scarring. Um, and I don't think there's that that fear factor at the moment that I can't actually think of any spinners since Shane Warne uh, who've come to England and the sight of them makes batters really wary. I think it's something that could happen if Ashwin gets a few wickets in the first session at the Oval if he plays, which I hope he does. But I'm in stress. I'm looking outside my window at the moment and there's been drizzle this morning and it's grey and overcast. um, And uh, I just looked out and thought, oh, typical. The weather's going to change just as uh, the Indian team are coming here to to play. But um, he knows the conditions a little bit from his one-county game there now Um, and if he plays and if he gets some in the first innings then I think you could start seeing people start second guessing themselves which I think was half the problem in India you saw the likes of Ollie Pope who got lost their wickets once to him and then suddenly they were jumping all over the crease trying all kinds of weird things and suddenly didn't trust their technique if he comes in and has that kind of impact immediately, then it could cast a long shadow off the remaining two tests. Add some messages in. Um, Vasanth has said um, he thinks Ashwin has to come in, plus have to look beyond Rahani, um, Vasanth suggests, and need golden arm from CSK, Lord Shardle of Takur, um, for better batting balance. Um, he would rest Jadeja and Ishant Sharma. That's um, Vasanth's opinion. And Big Time Dwarf has been back on. He's asking about um, Parkinson. He's suggesting, this is interesting actually, Knuckle, he's saying, is there a reason Parkinson didn't get a game in Sri Lanka? As we said, he was in the bubbles all the way through the winter. Seemed like the perfect opportunity for England to give him a bit of a go. It's so tough to ask him to come in to play his first test matches against India or Australia. He's got to play his first test against somebody, doesn't he? If if he's going to if he's going to play, it was a little surprising, particularly once Moen Ali was unavailable because of, because of COVID. Um, uh, I don't have anything more than it was a little surprising. But I mean, the, it, England had the spin had plenty of spinners in on that tour. You know, Leach and Bess actually did pretty well in 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 Sri Lanka by by and large. And you know, Bess was a little all over the place at times, but they both bowled uh, bowled fairly well. I I don't know of any reason beyond you know they didn't think he was quite ready or they wanted him for for development purposes um you know there's there's this thing about parkinson that people believe people well he does bowl slower than most most spinners so that probably plays a little a little all part of it as well but he he has he has shown in in his county championship form that that hasn't stopped him taking wickets in england yes at a much lower level where the playing of the spin is not particularly good by most by most batters but i don't i don't know that there's any inside information to be to be gleaned on that just going back to neil's point on on ashwin um since the start of 2018 he's played uh, i think it's 12 away tests all in england south africa australia and new zealand the mean for spinners in those countries is an average of 44 and 3.25 runs and over Ashwin's taken 43 wickets at 28 and 2.47 runs and over. So just on, forget the the emotional thing of, you know, is he going to get inside batter's heads and is he going to, you know, win the match by himself? Is he going to do a Morley at the Oval in, in, in 98? The, the bold facts are that Ashwin has shown that he can transcend unhelpful conditions and he's done it over a period of three and a half years now. Uh, he bowled beautifully in that World Test Championship final, bowled beautifully in Australia on, on pitches that... There were bounce, but there wasn't a lot of lateral movement. He bowls brilliantly with the new ball. He's very good to left-handers, and England now have three left-handers in the top 
or two left handers rather in the in the top three. I had Ashwin in my team to play headingly. I understand why they went with the four fast bowlers. Look, when you get bowled up for seventy eight, it almost doesn't matter what your bowling combination uh, is. Uh, you know, we can there's so many all of that is just a giant sliding doors moment but i don't think there's much argument that ashwin isn't going to be effective in 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 these conditions the idea that he's not a good overseas bowler has been shown demonstrably to be false you are listening to the cricket badger podcast Vasant's come back on he's saying floating around raj that jimmy might get rested for the fourth test match i mean three Back-to-back-to-back test matches, 39 years old, obviously terrific in the first innings. There's that stat about the differential between his first innings performance and the second innings performance um, over the last 14, 15 test matches. But would that surprise you, Raj, if Jimmy was not featuring at the Oval? It would surprise me and I don't think he'll be rested. Uh, Joe Root and England's men want to win this series as desperately as Coley. So I don't think uh, James Anderson will rest. He will play. This is probably just my strong guess. Uh, but if he does not play, it definitely would surprise me. But if if your question is, would England miss Anderson? Then definitely yes, because you know Anderson has troubled uh, three, four, five and six of the India's middle order. But uh, with Wokes coming in, you know, Wokes adds that extra dimension as well. Wokes is a kind of a bowler, you know, India does not like to face also. So with Wokes and Anderson, you know, England form a lethal combo and I don't think Anderson will miss the test. But if he does, then definitely would be surprised, but at the same time, very happy. Going back to one of the previous points made, would you look elsewhere rather than Ajinkya Rahani at five? I mean, he's the vice captain. Does does India drop the vice captain ahead of a, a very important fourth test match? This is actually a very tough call to make, uh, James, if you ask me. Uh, because I can, I can see Neil shaking his head in the top right of my screen, but let's let's hear from you first, right? Yeah, it's a very tough call if you ask me because uh, whenever you know the chips were down, you know Cheteshwar Pujara and Ajin Kirane have found a way to somehow you know they they've shown that you know they have something in them uh, to keep uh, the selectors and everybody in a bit of a dilemma. Uh, but if you ask me uh, before this test series, then I, before this test match, uh, headingly, I would have definitely wanted Pujara to sit out and make way for somebody else. But now that, you know, Pujara has uh, scored that 91 and, you know, definitely looked in control in the second innings of the test match, now the flag is on Rahane, the vice captain, that if Rahane would be dropped or not. Uh, knowing Kohli and his men, you know, I would think uh, maybe, you know, they don't drop either of them. They would definitely trust their senior men to take them through in the coming test matches. And, you know, India has bounced back uh, from these positions previously. Uh, two recent examples being the famous 36 all out you know they bounced back and won the series then you know the chennai test match they were hammered by england and they bounced back to win the series with the same personnel so i would think that kohli and his men would want to continue with the same unit but if you ask me i would want uh, surya kumar yadav to play as fast as possible uh, because you know uh, you might argue that you know he does not have a lot of test match uh, experience right now uh, in the past, um, you know, he's played a lot of Ranji Trophy in domestic cricket. But I would want the Indian team to bank on his confidence. And, uh, you know, uh, Sky at the moment, you know, exudes that confidence and aura around himself. You know, he would be the right man to bat at number five, especially in the oval test, which is going to be uh, more of a batting surface where, you know, Sky would be the perfect man to make his debut. Let's move on, Neil, to Rishabh Pant. Suggestion, I mean, Rishabh, he's he's an extraordinary player. And for me, he's the sort of player that you've got to take the rough with the smooth. You're going to get disappointing days, maybe disappointing series. But then, as he's shown in the past, there'll be days where 
you don't want to watch anybody else play the game because he's just extraordinary. Suggestion on on the um, on the comments here that maybe chucking him up to open might be an answer. Just go out there and smash it. Yeah, yeah, he's struggling against the moving ball, so let's make absolutely certain that he faces Jimmy. Um, and ask him to trust his defensive technique. I think we're falling into the trap where every team has tried to include a leg spinner because they'll automatically be Shane Warne. Every team has tried to include a prodigiously attacking um, wicketkeeper batsman because they'll be Adam Gilchrist. Don't look at these two teams who've done exactly that, one more successfully than the other. And every opener can come out and smash it from ball one and be Verenda Sewag. These are players who are pretty much the only ones through the hundred odd year history of Test cricket who have regularly played that way successfully. It's worth, uh, worth remembering for, as well, Neil, that Rishabh Pant scored a century, didn't he, last time he was at the Oval? Because and that was batting in the middle order against an older ball. He, he was explosive that day. He's, yeah, yeah. A lot of sportsmen have very good memories for, of certain grounds, and that automatically makes you feel more positive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but if you chuck him into open, then the images I have in my head are Jason Roy, Aaron Finch. Um, huge, expansive uh, drives in the first over and getting bowled through the gate. I think Rishab actually looked... I've, I've said this before about him when he's done well. Uh, the clarity in what his role is um, has been what's helped him, especially when we've compared him to Joss Butler. In the second innings, he either charged down or he seemed rooted to his crease, playing away from his body, and that was how he got out. In the end, something had got into his head that had it taken him away from playing in a way that he was comfortable, which is also going to be the way that you defend or attack best because you end up in that halfway space where you're doing not one or the other. And bowlers as skillful as uh, what England have are going to take advantage. So my advice to him would be don't be reckless. Uh, I'm going to go Shane Warne here. <laughs> uh, Tee off, but but don't be reckless. Uh, look, play positively, but have a clear idea in your mind what you're going to do with each ball uh, on its merits, and don't start second guessing you, yourself halfway through because that's when you end up with the bat going out, and then you try to withdraw it so that only the edge is out there for to get caught, or you end up as, as, it as halfway. On his question, there, he's looked a bit tentative, hasn't he? He's been, as you say, second guessing himself, not quite sure. And when you're in two minds, put the the bad decision always wins, isn't it? Yeah, and the long tail has also not helped because he doesn't have that um, solidity in seven and eight um, below him. Having Shadeja especially, but also in India when he's had Ashwin as well, has added some batting depth so that he didn't feel that he was shepherding the tail all the way through. And to some extent, I think he has been inhibited by that, which has put him back into that halfway space where there's no real benefit, only cost. My name is Jacob, and I sent the Badger a message, and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast, then tweet... 
Let's uh, move away from the uh, England against India series to finish off today with the news that Dale Stain has retired from cricket. Incredible bowler, fast bowler, 93 matches in test cricket, 439 wickets, 125 ODIs, where he took 196 wickets, T20 internationals as well, 47 of those with 64 wickets. Um, longevity, he's uh, been around for a long time. Cricket will miss him, Knuckle, won't it? He's been a tremendous performance for inordinate number of teams in South Africa. To my mind, Dale Stain is the greatest fast bowler of the modern era. To be able to do what he did, consistently moving the ball at that pace for so long, really until his shoulder went in 2017, didn't have a serious injury, and maintaining the strike rate that he uh, that he maintained, taking a wicket every 42 balls for 93 test matches. You know, you look at uh, a minimum of 2,000 balls, uh, there are only one, two, three, four, five above him, and three of those uh, are pre-First World War uh, in in George Lerman, J.J. Ferris, and, and S.F. Barnes. Uh, D- Dale Stain was abs- at his peak was absolutely astonishing. For, I very, very fondly remember his, his, his incredible battle he had with Sachin Tendulkar uh, in Cape Town in, in 2010. Both of them, Tendulkar in his last great, peak and Dale Stain at very close to his best and it was Stain was getting everyone else out for fun Tendulka was hitting everyone else at three four and over but the two of them were went at it for what felt like an entire day and it was just the most astonishing thing you will you will you will ever see Uh, and he he was an absolute phenomenon Raj, what are your memories of Dale Stain? It's a, it's a sad, always a sad day when somebody hangs up their boots. It's like, we talk about it as if he's died, don't we? He's got a long life ahead of him and much happiness, hopefully, for him. But it's a sad day for cricket that we won't see him on the field again. Absolutely. And my memories about Dale Stain was exactly the series which Nakul mentioned, 2010 against India when uh, India went uh, for a tour in South Africa. That is when, uh, and I agree that Dale Stain was special because Dale Stain used to swing that ball regularly at that pace. Uh, so he, I think he had little maybe five kilometers extra than James Anderson because James Anderson is also a similar bowler who could swing the ball uh, both ways. But Dale Stain did it at a much maybe a higher pace so that was which was more astonishing so that was one series which was i was completely fond of and then uh, it was i think the ipl which oh, maybe you know he had a top seat of the ipl for the decking charges initially and uh, he came up against ab uh, de villiers where ab de villiers was an absolute freak against him my memories was most probably with the red cherry of Dale Stain, you know, especially in those hostile conditions of South Africa, Johannesburg, where he could swing the ball both ways. I think Virender Sehwag had a tough time against him. Murli Vijay also, you know, suffered a lot against Dale Stain. He had a phenomenal record in India as well at a time yeah. when the pitches were not as fast bowler friendly as they as they are now. And some of the things he did in, in, in England and in Australia as well, he had this, he would regularly detonate the Australian batting lineups on some very completely flat dead tracks you know what he was bowling in a pretty batting friendly era in the mid 2000s you know watching him now i mean he'd be even more lethal than he than he was than he was then just the best fast bowler that i've seen since i've regularly been uh watching cricket i wonder uh what what could still have been if south africa had the money and resources to manage his uh, his game time in the way that they have been able to with Jimmy um, and the fact that Jimmy's only played test cricket for the last six years has undoubtedly 
lengthened his career. What we could still see Del Stone doing if South Africa had been able to do that. But he was someone who transcended formats as well at his very best. Pretty much across across the globe, all conditions, he was always a threat. Um, I think we've said up until recently that Jimmy in India wouldn't be a great wicket taker, but you know he'd use his his brain and skills just to keep things very economical and set it up for whatever spin bowlers. Um, I think Dhoni said that he was the difference between the two teams when England won in India in uh, 2012. But Del Stane was still a wicket-keeping threat while going at a great economy um, and just about as complete a fast bowler as I've ever seen. I'm sad that he's retired, but I feel blessed to have uh, experienced him, uh, especially at his best. Um, That's what I keep saying about Jimmy Anderson. Soak him into your eyes. Make sure that you kind of kind of burn him onto your retinas that you've seen him play. Because these kind of guys, the Stains, the Andersons, the Warns, and, and what have you that we've seen in recent times, they're going to be talked about in 100 years' time. They'll be, yeah, when people are sitting doing podcasts like we are in 100 years' time, rather than SF Barnes will be along much further down the list by then. It'll be the Jimmy Andersons of this world and the Dale Stains of this world that we're talking about. And he's Tremendous, tremendous bowler. Last thing I'll say, that run-up, such aggression, such menace, such theatre. Like you could hear the hooves pounding and the drum beats going as he (laughs) as he came in. Like his eyes would be almost lasering the uh, hole. It takes some doing to play the drums as you're running in as well, doesn't it? It was just it was it was just pure theatre. Like you know, and not that kind of wildness of of Shoaibakhtar, but it's such control and such such menace. Uh, He was he was an absolute. When we very briefly got Stain and Rabada bowling it in tandem together yeah. man alive there's another one Rabada I've kind of watched his space with him because he's a tremendous cricketer as well but I mean just you, you mentioning Jimmy Anderson there reminded me of one of the comments we got that when we were talking about him being rested for the fourth test match bear in mind that England aren't playing test cricket until the ashes after this he's got a long time to put his feet up Jimmy hasn't also, he and, also they've had another day off than they weren't that they weren't yeah. expecting from I think if he does I said at the start of the series I didn't expect all the fast bowlers to play every, every game in this series um, I know Anderson's a little bit of a special case maybe he gets rested at the oval maybe but i can't see it for this test match no so we'll oh, sorry old trafford rather yeah yeah and it confuses me as well michael because just historically the oval is always the final test match but this time for some reason it's the fourth out of five isn't it and uh, the old trafford is the, the full stop on this this test series finally well, if, if you want to go conspiracy theories on that yeah steve harmison's uh been saying that you know depending on what happens with the ashes then old trafford um, maybe where Jimmy decides to hang up his uh, his shoes, and um, it'd be interesting to uh, see if okay. that had anything to do with the um, with the scheduling, so that he would potentially finish his England career at Old Trafford in the way that Sachin did at the One K Day. Do you ever think well, some pundits have too much time on their hands? I, I absolutely conspiracy <laughs> theory. I love a conspiracy theory, Knuckle. And it also that that would add to him resting at the Oval, so he doesn't pick up a niggle and misses Old Trafford. He finishes at <laughs> uh, up in Manchester. Um, final question, gents. Let's go around the group. Neil, who wins? Um, what's the results that we're going to see at the Oval? I'm going to go for an India win based on how flat the track tends to be at the Oval and a little bit spin friendly. Um, and I see Ashwin coming in. Uh, the question is how they uh, manage the bowlers because I don't think we can go in with such a long tail. Michael? I think Ashwin will come in for Ishan Sarma and India will will win with Ashwin playing a starring role. How about you, Raj? India win because the last two occasions when they were down, I think they come back pretty fiercely. So I predict an India win. 
That's an interesting point to finish on, actually, because England are very good at playing a fantastic test match after everybody's been knocking them. But they're very bad at actually following, you know, putting, stringing wins together. And that's what puts me off maybe a, a, an England victory in this one. You don't often see WWW with an England side when they... Uh, consecutively um, impress I think it uh, tends to be up and down with England but we'll see how it goes um, I, th- I fancy the draw in this one I think we we'll, might get another draw at the Oval it might be a batting track and it might mean that we get two big first inning scores and uh, England are a little bit more confident now with the bat than they were ahead of Headingley at least gentlemen thank you very much as always for joining me thanks everybody for watching Stroke listening to this uh, edition of the Cricket Badger podcast we'll be back again tomorrow as we uh, put the full stop to our previews of the four test match and then of course we'll be back every single day as we go through the action at the Oval thanks for joining me and we'll see you soon Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.